Welcome. Welcome to the Kevins. Let's do this. All right, guys, let's shoot some smelling salts. All right. <laughs> this is how we're starting the episode today. Oh. All right, I'm going first. Handle. <coughs> it's already making me puke. <laughs> All right. Oh. Oh. oh, I can smell it from here. Oh, oh. yeah. That's good stuff right there. Woo. <sighs> Fresh batch. Oh, got, yeah. That brings back memories. We got that two hours before we got here. <laughs> you get, you got to... <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> let it marinate in mm -hmm. the sinuses. Fuck. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> oh, it like it keeps hitting me too. Yeah, that's good stuff. Close that shit up. I can't even get close to that, dude. It like brutalizes me. My eyes are watering yeah. so bad. Potenize it. Get it fresh. Yeah. Well, one nostril. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Woo! Uh, we'll just give a shout out for smelling salts, bottled insanity. Oh, that's a pretty accurate description. It makes my eyeballs water so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, we're super glad to have you here. Uh, you saved us, pulled us out of the depths of uh, Amazon hell. Two years in and 60 grand deep into uh, two failed products. And don't look at me. Keep talking. I can't, I can't talk. <laughs> He's like, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> scrolling TikTok, we found you two guys, owners of the FBA boss. You guys are business partners uh, and have multiple, multiple brands and teach guys like us how to build and scale Amazon stores. So we're super pumped to have you guys here. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for man. having us. Absolutely. We're honored. Can you give us, I think the people would like to know, I know that you guys have lived close to each other and that's how you got connected but how did you find out about each other how so did actually you start this we didn't even know that we lived in close proximity until after we didn't live in close proximity oh. <laughs> so we met strictly on social media so i we, we both followed each other and then i dm'd him and let's i was like hey let's hop on a call and then we hopped on one the next day and we had a lot of similarities like we both didn't have a dad, both named Kevin, both grew up in the same city. Um, what else? Amazon. Yeah, we did Amazon. Fitness background. Yep. And then- We're both Caucasian. Like- Yeah, both six foot three white. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. No dad club, that's fun. Mm -hmm. There's only there's only one way to be indicted into the no dad club. It's not yes. having a dad? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you can be grandfathered in. Okay. Oh, you can. Oh my. <laughs> wow. Wow. How but, far along did you guys have Amazon stores when you finally linked up? Oh, at least a few years. Yeah. I mean, we only, we merged programs last year. Yeah. So it's been like, last year. it's almost two years now that we've been like merged together. So. Yeah. So it was what, four, four to five years total? Each? I'm at five and a half. Yeah. Just about the same as well. Yeah. About the same. What were you guys doing prior? I think you were both trainers, right? I was a trainer, but not full time. So I did... Um, I actually worked at like, if you know what WeWork is, I worked at, I managed basically like a WeWork. Yeah. I was then, a full-time personal trainer. How old are you guys at this moment? Right. Well, when I started my first company, I was 21. Okay. So I just turned 21 though. My birthday is May 16th and I started June 2nd. So it was literally like 18 days after. And by first company, you mean your first Amazon store? Mm -hmm. Nice. How old were you? Yeah. I was like about 
21, 22, when I was still personal training and starting getting into like learning about Amazon. Uh, it was about that age. Yeah. And how old are you guys now? I'm 27. 26. Damn. So what was the moment that made you f- decide, I'm going to go into this Amazon thing or was it a gradual process? I watched, uh, I was sitting on the couch with my roommate at the time, which was Adam, which you guys know. Yeah, hey, Adam. Shout, shout out, Adam. Adam. Shout out, Mr. Pike. Yeah. So the me girl. and Adam were sitting on the couch, saw a Facebook ad that said like, basically for someone to join like their Amazon course. And I was like, bro, fuck that guy, bro. I don't need no course. And so me and Adam decided to just YOLO into it. So how long were you YOLOing until you eventually bought a course? I never, I didn't buy one until a year and a half after I'd already been selling. I was making like 40, 50,000 a month before I did that. So then what made you want to get a course if you were already making that money? It wasn't an Amazon specific course. It was a business scaling course. So like it was how to scale your business. And it was, I think, 11000 to buy in plus 3000 a month. So it was like fifty grand. What about you, Kevin? You were- Yeah. Uh, for me, I actually did take a course. So I was personal training at the time. Um, I was working a lot of long hours, but I realized that like, you know, it, it's going to be really hard to maintain this type of work level of, you know, training people in person. I can't imagine myself doing this when I'm like fucking 45, 50 years old. So I just went on Google and I was like, how to make money online and Amazon came across and there was people on YouTube selling courses on Amazon as well. Um, and I didn't know jack shit. I, I never owned a business before. I never worked with people who did own this type of business before as well. So I was just like, you know what, let me just full send it. So like within like a couple of weeks of me seeing uh, people who had their course, I just took it. And then that's when I started learning about Amazon and I've taken like, I think three courses total. I spent probably a little over $10,000 in like courses and programs related to Amazon FBA. Nice. Were you guys entrepreneurial growing up, like that entrepreneurial edge or you just saw Amazon and that was your first? I just knew that I was going to make money at some point, but I just didn't think it would be Amazon. You wanted to be the president when you were a kid. I did. (laughs) Yes. Why is that? Uh, Because I thought the president would was like the richest person in the world. Like as uh, when I was a kid, when I was seven years old, I was like, yeah, I want to be president, you know, because I want to be rich. And the whole thing was money motivated. I I just knew that I wanted to make money and be successful. Just didn't know how. Yeah, I want to talk about the first year because if it took you what you said a year or so before you took any kind of course. What did you say again? Um, well, at least a year and a half, maybe so more. Than what that. was that first year just trying to bootstrap it? Because I couldn't imagine trying to bootstrap it ourselves and not know anything. I mean, it's already kind of taking a course. You learn so much and it's very helpful. But if I didn't have your guys' coaching and, you know, people in it with me, I don't think I would have ever even made it to where Damn, we are now. Bro. Someone clip that, bro. We're going to run that as That's an ad. clean. <laughs> clip that. Uh, where are you guys at now year to date? We're at 25K going up to almost 27. We have two. So we have two uh, brands. Yeah. One is 25K total sales. The other is 10K. Like, you guys did 25 first month, right? Or no, no. That was our initial company. That one did 25K. Yeah. And then the first month for the second brand did 10K almost. It was like 9.5. That's year to date so far? That was the first month. No, but like year to date. Oh, you're saying year-to-date total yes, sales? Yes. Oh. Year-to-date total sales. Probably, I think seven, I can tell you. It's, uh, I think, 70 or 80 grand for the year you guys on are one. just about to cross six figures then. Yeah, we're about yeah. to cross six. That's clean. Yeah, and the goal is try to hit 50K by Christmas. 50K yeah. in one, one month. Yeah, yeah one I think month. you guys can do that easily. Yeah, I would say 
You'll definitely hit it from like November 20th to December 20th, that 30 day frame. Mm -hmm. That's like the best time. We'll hold you to it. And then sales will start dropping after like the 22nd Mm -hmm. of December. Pretty accurate. When's like a second spike? What do you mean second spike? So is a like, quarter four just it and then the rest of the year is kind of mostly, variable? Yeah. Depends on what you sell. Like my sales drop for um, November, December just because like I sell a lot of consumables yeah. and people stop focusing on their health during November, December. Yeah, January. So, and then January, yeah. we fucking cream. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> like, solutions. Yeah. yeah. January and then February, March start to drop. But as we get into summer again, like April, May, June, July, August, that's a big up. ones for us too. So how many how many products did you launch in your first year? I don't know. So first three, four. How many did I keep or launch? Just for that first year doing it by yourself. Maybe six. Six launched. Yeah. And because the first three we did at once. I launched all three mm-hmm. at the exact same time. And did any of them succeed? No. <laughs> no, no, no. So I've made videos on that. So the Wrist straps, lifting straps, and the bento boxes launched all those exact same time. Total like cash in, including shipping, was like thirty five hundred bucks for all three of those. All three combined was yeah. thirty five hundred. Well, I mean, because like wrist straps and lifting straps, eighty cents a yeah. unit. It's nothing. Damn. So you just fiber your listing together. What'd you do? We took the photos ourselves. <laughs> love it and then you hand wrote the descriptions and bullet points <laughs> and everything crazy i mean for the most part like you can common sense it for like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like that like how specific can you get on wrist wraps bro like i just pulled it from another listing and then just add a own twist to it what'd you throw down for your first one i threw down about 3k for my first product and that was um an animal repeller so i put 3k into that i put another 3k into a letterboard set and then another 3K into um, kitchen utensils. All three failed. Dang. So how did you guys feel after all three failed? What was, how'd you pivot? For me, I had to take a fucking break. I was like, I need to recover. I just <laughs> lost 10 grand, bro. I need to chill. I need to recover. So how long was your break? Uh, I think it was like, it was early on. So I did that early. Those first three products were really early in the year. So I probably took at least six, seven months uh, to recapture like my 10K again before starting okay. my next product. But you knew you wanted to do Amazon. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. I'm just taking a break. I'm not giving up. Yeah. So the thing is, I'm a very persistent person, right? And like, I knew that if I saw other people doing it well, then that means I'm doing something wrong and I need to figure out what to do right, essentially. So, because it's just like, there's no excuse. Mm-hmm. So what kept you guys coming back? Because you both lost a bunch of money. I'm really, what was about? I'm really it? cocky. Okay, but what, was there something specific about Amazon that you're like, this is the thing that I want to double down, or is it just that I'm was just, just not... the first thing I'd ever tried? Got it. And like, once you get a sale, I mean, you guys know how it is. Yeah. Like, you're like, all right, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, it's it becomes addicting. Yeah. For my first product, um, it wasn't like a total fail. I just discontinued it, but I made like almost ten thousand dollars in the first two weeks of launch, and like, con- mm. like put that in perspective of like. 21-year-old kid who is doing personal training, only making maybe like three, four K a month, you make 10 grand in two weeks, you're like, what the fuck? So you right? got a taste, a little taste of I the got success taste of first, like, and then it the crashed. Potential. And then so it you, crashed. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I know this works. I just need to do it right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you're like, fuck this, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. But then you just tanked 
but you're like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep moving. It wasn't that bad. Like we probably only lost like 25%. We still sold out. Keep in mind, we ordered 500 units of everything. Like we didn't do small test orders. So we ordered 500 units. So like we sold out of everything. And I think we placed a reorder too, not immediately, but like mm-hmm. down the line. Cause it did sell just like we thought it would grow over time. So if someone wants to start FBA, and I know you guys, you both have a ton of videos on this, but videos sometimes don't give you like enough long form explanation. So if someone wanted to get an FBA and they're thinking maybe this is a site, because I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I see you're doing Amazon. Where do I start? How do I get into this? And I tell them, first of all, you need to really make sure that it's something that you're willing to do and you're willing to persist at because it's going to suck a lot of the time Two, get a coach, like get figure it out with some help from somebody. So other than those things, like where would you recommend somebody start if they're kind of on the fence? Like, should I start an Amazon business? Should I open a lemonade shop? Should I sell my kidney? What can I, I think do? First off, you need to make sure you have enough capital to start, right? Like, yeah, got to have the money first. And How then much is enough capital? Five to 10 grand is really good. If you happen to have more, um, everyone kind of starts with the same amount of test orders and they spend about the same amount as well. So it's around that five, five, 10K mark. But if you have Unless more, you have a super product, Dave, sometimes it costs more. Yeah. Right. But uh, if you have more money, more money, it just helps you scale faster because you can put it into inventory and k- keep up with your demand essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for knowledge, I mean, you can go on fucking YouTube and learn that shit, to be honest. Like there's a lot of free shit on Google. Yeah. YouTube University is super helpful, but there's nothing quite like getting on a coaching call. Oh yeah, 100%. Well, I feel like most people, like a lot of the steps, you could probably figure it out. Most people just aren't going to sit there and be like, all right, well- Piece it all together. Yeah. So you have to like, not only do you have to be able to find the information online, you also have to like know what you're trying to look for. Mm. And that's the main issue is like, where do you start? And then next step, like, it's not like online, there's just like step by step, here's what you do. Let's break it down for everybody, the kind of the basics of the Amazon engine, like the subcategories of all the things that you'll be introduced to as you enter the Amazon world. So people interested or kind of in it, what is the model? So set up your actual entity. So your LLC, you don't have to do one. You can do it as a sole proprietor if you want to. But so setting all that up, setting up your seller account, finding a product to sell, which is probably the hardest thing for most people ordering samples of that product, differentiating that product once you find a good manufacturer, placing the order, getting a good shipper to send it to Amazon, setting up your listing on Amazon, and then learning how to do ads. What do you think is the hardest part of those? Would you say ads? Finding a product, Mm, yeah. differentiating the product, advertising. Yep. Yeah. Because there's a lot of different schools of thought with PPC mm-hmm. and advertising. Um, and I know it's all a lot of like experimentation. I guess, how how can people start to find their method for doing PPC? I think you just test, to be honest. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different match types you can use. There's video, there's uh, sponsored brands, obviously. There's automatic, there's manual. Um, I find that people just need to test out what works for their product, start with some kind of baseline and then start to dive into different types of campaigns and see what works. Cause some types of campaigns will work for one market, but it won't work the same for another market. 
Well, that's why I always say like usually this, this, and this are going to do best for this type of product, mm-hmm. but test them all anyway. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's different based on that product category or even your product in general, your variation could do better for these things. Right. And then when you first launch your product too, it's pretty normal to be a little in the negative in terms of profit, right? Because you're because you're oh, trying yeah. to rank, you're trying to push your your product to the top. <clears throat> I always I always say you're trying to prove a point, right? Like the mm-hmm. whole point of like your test orders to prove that it'll sell. You can always move things around for profitability later, but you need to make sure it's going to sell, yeah. and like that your reviews are going to come in positive. Like you're not going to get shit on. That's like the main thing. It's not really to make money on that first order. Like some people do, some people don't. Yeah. I mean, because if you don't even have sales to begin with, you can't make a damn profit. So it's like people, I think people bottleneck themselves by trying to be as profitable as possible before allowing it to actually grow to where it can be and then start optimizing and chipping away and Mm. getting profitable later down the line, you know? Because you guys both do your own PPC. Yeah. Right. Basically. You do your own advertising. Why is that? Why not hire? I mean, I know you guys feel like you're the best at it, so you don't hire out. Is there a time when you should hire out? There's two things. One, I've hired people numerous times. I've even paid people to do audits of my shit. Mm -hmm. And then like I read their audit reports. They're all stupid, okay? Um, There's never been a time, and I've hired at least five people to like do stuff like that. And there's never been a time where I was like, all right, that's a good point. So... Didn't like anything that they had to say. And also it's my money. So like mm. I'm going to keep track of it more than anyone else. So I would rather be in control of like, realistically, it's your number one expenditure with stuff like that. It also plays the biggest role in how you rank. So I'd rather have someone that cares about the company do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long in doing PPC in the beginning did it start to finally click? And w- can you talk about some of those aha moments? that you experience like shit. Okay. Now I'm starting to see the matrix. I I get it. So the number one thing for me was playing with helium 10 and how you rank based on how much you're spending and your overall ROAS. And that's something that's really hard for a lot of people to put the connection to, unless you're told about it is like your ad stuff directly influences where you rank. That's the only way that you're ever going to rank when you first start. Like, cause when you make your listing, no one's ever going to find it unless you're doing ads. And then as people buy from your ads, you start to rank higher. So, so do you ever sometimes have like a high A cost, but you see you're not really ranking? You'll push ad spend just to get to the front and then back it off a little bit? It, it depends. So certain categories have, like for me, it's anywhere from a 2.25 to a 2.75 ROAS, which is like the sweet spot for ranking and also like just like overall sales. Um, that's at scale. Obviously every product's going to be different, but for mine, that's what does best. Can you define those two terms, ACOS and ROAS for everybody? Um, ACOS really isn't a, a thing. Amazon made it up. It's advertising cost of sale. So like a hundred percent ACOS on a product that's a hundred dollars would mean that you're spending a hundred dollars to sell that one $100 item, right? So it's, you spend the total amount of that product to sell it. And then ROAS is return on advertising spend, which is what most people are familiar with, which would be like for every $1. So if you have a five ROAS, for every $1 in spend, you make $5 in sales. So you're like a 2.5 to... Yeah. My shit's a lot higher than that. Um, but like for like pushing, I would say 2.25 to like a 2.75. 
And then where do you like to cruise? Like where do I normally sit? Mm-hmm. Probably like a four, four point two. Nice. Do you just keep recreating new campaigns till you find something that sticks, or you just launch three to five or whatever and just dial them in over time, or is your kind of strategy change over time? So at scale, every single keyword is its own campaign. So like if I'm running vegan protein broad, vegan protein phrase, those are two separate things completely. And they're the only thing in that campaign. So I think like once you get to a certain level, that's how you separate it. So like you could have hundreds and hundreds of campaigns. You have one ad group in the campaign and in that ad group is one keyword. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I don't separate them into different ad groups inside of that one campaign. Right. So it's just one keyword per like, campaign all all together. So you have, what, 80 SKUs? They're on different counts though. Right, but you do PPC for all of them. Yeah. How long does it take you to do your weekly- Five minutes. Ad management. So how do you go through all of these campaigns, individual keywords in five minutes? The longer you do it, the more you realize like, like I can just scroll through and be like, okay, that's not supposed to be there. And then just switch it. And I, I don't need to like- move it 10% this day and then check on it again in two days. Like I know based on that number, how much to move it. And I don't need to look at it again for a week. What about you, KP? Where, when did you start to feel like you had a good sense of PPC? Um, As far as like my timeline to, yeah, or like you launched those three products. It. Yeah. They failed, took a little break, uh, relaunched again. Yeah. I imagine. I, I think that what the biggest thing that I realized was that your PPC is a reflection of your product, essentially. Like if you have a shit product, a shit listing, your PPC is not, PPC is not going to PP. Your PPC is not going to convert, right? Um, My PP converts. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that. But I, I think that your product offer and your listing is a direct correlation about how your PPC actually performs. And so if you do have a good offer and those are solid, your your ads are going to perform better. They're going to have a higher ROAS. They're going to have a lower ACOS. Um, and then from there, it's a lot easier to manage about like um, like trimming things down and ranking for keywords as well because people want to buy your product already. So you're already getting start to push. So I like to focus a lot on the listing and making sure it's the best quality possible because then it, it will reflect in my PPC. That's dope. I want to go back to you guys' personal story. So you both had those products fail. Did you launch right away, Kevin? And then you waited a little bit, KP. So talk a little bit about that next year of launching new products. In terms of what? Like just like mental space? Your full experience. So, you know, deciding mentally, you know, I'm going to launch these new products, the sales that you started to make, the strategies you took, how you decided to decide on new products versus how you picked them before. I kind of launch whatever makes sense. Like anything at that point, like I didn't have people who product source for me. I didn't have funding. I didn't have millions of dollars in cash. So like these are like. Wait, you're not a rich kid? I thought. I know. What? Well, my dad. Didn't he, your dad give my, you all your supercars? Well, my dad, uh, he gets, I think, like almost 14 cents an hour in prison. for So he, he works a lot. So like. Yeah, I, he'll be I, fine. Yeah, yeah. So I get, he funnels all that to me. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Dude, dude has like he unlimited save time concert. in jail. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He's like spamming, <laughs> just spamming. And, you know. yeah, he's got a conglomerate of workers under him. Yeah. He's got his own Amazon stores that he runs from the prison library. From prison. He's just like they making millions at 14 cents an hour. Yeah. Yep. If you guys went to prison, I feel like you'd find a way to still make money. Probably. Hopefully I never have to find out. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it was, uh, 
I think what what's funny is the the first product that worked out really well for me. I didn't find it and then launch it right away. I waited like six months, so I found it when I had lost everything already. So I was like, "Fuck! Well, I can't launch this right now because I don't have any money." But then once I uh, uh, I saved up enough time and uh, money, and I went back to research that market, it still made sense. And that time I launched it in March of I think it was 2019. And I made like 8K in in a month. And I was still happy with that, you know, considering the first other product I did in like two weeks. I was like, this is still fucking good, you know. Uh, basically broke even with that. And then I was like, okay, proof of concept, let's double down. So I just launched a variation of it, doubled down on my inventory as well. So from March, did 8K. And then by December, I hit my first six-figure month. Did literally $100,000 on the spot by the end of December. And what was your profit on that? About 40%. Nice. And we just took it to the bank from there. How did that feel hitting like that number? Was that something you were going for and then finally hit it? I, or did, were you surprised by? It was it was ex, it was planned for sure because I ordered just enough inventory for that to happen, right? So I was like if I do this, if I make this order, I mean every time you make an order, you should know like what your expected return on it essentially, like what you expect to make out of it. So when I made that order, I was like okay, this is what Best case scenario, this is what's going to happen. And best case scenario ended up happening, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just took it from there. And uh, it was very risky because I never I never made a PO that large before, right? That purchase order was like emptying everything out. like, um, And so I was like, damn, this is, this is very, very scary. Because if this doesn't sell, I'm immortally fucked. Like, yeah, straight up. So I just got to say that's super impressive for you guys to be that age and be pulling triggers like that. It's uh, it's uh, pretty dope. I want to talk a little bit about researching products. How did you guys decide to research project products differently than you did with your failed products? And people listening who are kind of, you know, new to the Amazon space, what are some of the metrics you look for when trying to launch a product that could do well? I think the two, two main things that you can't overcome are cost per click being too high and margin being too low. Like a lot of other things you can kind of like, well actually in search volume, like if there's no search volume, no margin, cost per click's too high, you can't really do anything about it. So I think those are probably the three most important. Everything else you can kind of maneuver around um, or differentiate and you should be fine. When you say cost per click, are you talking about like the top keywords for that product, like the average cost per click or yeah. how, how are you finding that? Number? Anything that's, if I would type this keyword in and buy my product, then I count it and then you usually just average it out. But for the most part, they're all going to be roughly the same. Okay. Yeah. There's not going to be like big differences between those. Nice. One thing I'm curious about is this growth that you guys have had, because it was fairly fast in terms of like business ownership. So rising pretty quickly in the amount of money that you've made and the level of responsibility that comes with that in terms of like owning business and having employees. What do you notice at different levels of wealth? Like where are you now? What are you making like monthly? And then coming up to that point, like were there milestones where your mindset started to shift and oh, change yeah. a little bit? Yeah. What was that like? Um. So... Like my best month has been about like 3.30 in a month, right? And what I noticed for me was really at that like 10 to 20K a month, I really started to notice a really big change in my life. 
because uh, you can live very comfortably like that. I live in California. So like California is fucking one of the most expensive states to live in. But I was going by really well. Like I was very comfortable in the apartment I lived in. Um, I had a bro, Tesla. A Tesla, new Tesla, bro. I had a Tesla. I was wow. rocking that. And I was living comfortably. Like I could go out and eat dinner, um, not worry about my groceries or anything like that. You know, I can't go to like fancy dinners or anything like that. But at least like as far as your very bare minimum like uh, to survive, your essentials to survive, shelter and home, uh, shelter and I'm sorry, food and everything, that was just like good. We're good to go. And it was very much like a, a peaceful feeling. And then, um, And then after I would say like, 50 to 100k a month that's when i start to feel like a lot more like fuck you money like kind of like I, I can afford basically everything that i want what did you start doing when you felt the fuck you money uh well i bought my mom a car that was like one of the first things i did oh, yeah and i retired her what was her reaction yeah i mean fucking tears tears like um her reaction or my reaction well hers Both. but then yeah yeah, yeah. i mean for her i mean it was tears all around yeah tears all around it was unbelievable i mean my mom is an immigrant she's a um i'm the first generation american she came to america with no no english no money so like putting it to perspective when you do that and you slave your whole entire life away to make sure that your kids survive and then your kids able to give back like that i mean it it, it there's nothing really that's 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 what she wanted that's her goal in life mm -hmm. was for that to happen for me to be able to take care of myself yeah. uh, she didn't expect anything back but like just the fact that i was able to do that like it was generational yeah. goals being achieved yeah the, like the car is symbolic of it. like she could yeah. go without the car she yeah. doesn't care she's about, going but, yeah. without the car right now yeah <laughs> technically yeah she is <laughs> i bought her another one because i felt bad what happened to the to the porsche because I needed a daily driver because I needed- You to took your mom's car? Yeah. I was like, let me borrow it until I find another one. And I bought like, her- a, Mom, uh, give me that shit. <laughs> I, bought, uh, I bought her a BMW, like a sports car because she never had a sports car. So uh -huh. she got her first sports car when she was like 50 years old, basically. So, so you got to make TikToks with your mom. Yeah, we need more. No. We need more. No, no, no. If she, if I made TikTok with her, she'd get canceled so fast, bro. She says some outlandish Hell shit. Hell yeah, bro. yeah. That's yeah. what we're talking we about. Bring, we should bring her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That'd be she interesting. Your guys' mom. Bring yeah. mom a pack on here. Yeah, for real. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like my level, like that. Those are my biggest periods where I noticed changes, like okay. at that twenty and that the hundred k mark. What about you? Uh, Brad Lee says life begins at twenty thousand a month. I agree with that. I think it's hard to nowadays do the majority of things like at least like 15 20 000 a month like to like survive well at least um i think the most insecure that you'll feel is leading up to a hundred thousand and then once you kind of break the hundred thousand a month consistently then something in your head switches and you become like more secure in it because like as you guys start like paying yourselves more you'll probably feel like the shittiest that you've ever felt. It's it's so weird. Like Challenge it, accepted, buddy. <laughs> I've felt pretty shitty before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's hard to describe until like you're in it. Do you know what I mean or no? Yeah, uh, I guess it's kind of like that fear of like, um, oh, like potentially losing, yeah, like losing, losing everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've built so much, but it could be gone in a second. Yeah, it so hasn't like, stayed. There's no trust. Yeah, it hasn't been consistent enough for you to get to that point. I feel like Amazon breeds insecurity because we you can have months or weeks where yeah. it goes up and down. So I could see how, you know, you can't fully trust that all of a sudden yeah. the market oh, yeah. switches or somebody else or it gets flooded with a bunch of different sellers or Chinese all of a hijackers. Sudden, yeah, all of a sudden you have hijackers or, on you. Or they say your listing has pesticides in it and then they just take it down. Oh, God. Yeah. 
At what point? That happens a lot, actually. Yeah, it just happened yesterday. I'm curious, though, scaling. Because you have to keep reinvesting money to scale with bigger and bigger orders, how did you manage paying yourself and also scaling at the same time? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you have to kind of make that decision. Like, so like if you order $10,000 in inventory and then when it sells out, you have 40,000. You also have to keep in mind that Amazon doesn't pay you that immediately. Mm -hmm. So it's like in the beginning, I had to sell out, wait a week or two, and then I would pay myself money from that and then reorder. I did it like that. You never used credit to keep pushing forward. I didn't have any credit, dude. I think my credit line's total was five grand. So yes, you just had to wait until you had the money. And then does that, that fucked up your ranking? I assume you have to build it back up? Not really. Algorithm was a little different back then. Okay. So it didn't really affect me as much. I mean, this is over five years ago. So Amazon's algorithm is quite a bit different now, but now it'll fuck you. Yeah. The infamous but, A9. But back then it was like, really like you went out of stock, you came back and you were just like back up. Yeah. They, they were like, wherever you went out of stock, they started you back there. Which was nice. That's nice. I think if you have like a hard time like kind of tracking or deciding when you uh, should pay yourself, uh, doing like cash flow forecasting and everything is always a good idea. Inventory cash, inventory forecasting as well. So you get an idea about like how much you'll need to reorder and then what's left and what's okay to take away from the business from there. You know? But first year I paid myself $83,000. And I know that because uh, I looked at my tax returns like two days ago. Yeah. So that's what I... I ten ninety nine myself was eighty three grand. Didn't you buy your first supercar when it wasn't a supercar? So first car I bought. So I started June second was the day I decided to start selling. By the following May, I bought my first car. No, it was still cold, so probably March. March, I bought my first car. Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. It was that was when I bought the SVR. So it was actually August of that year. So it only been like three months. I bought a the Kia Stinger GT, <laughs> and that was only like five hundred and fifty bucks a month. But I bought that, and then like March of the next year, I bought the Range Rover SVR, which was like one hundred and sixteen thousand or something like that. And did you put cash down, or you didn't have credit, or I paid for that cash? Dude, that's dope. What'd that feel like? Super shitty. I had like 140 grand and I paid 116 for the car. Good financial choices. One of my friends actually bought it for me cash and I paid him over three months. One of my favorite philosophies of you is buy dumb shit. And I subscribe to that 100%. I think we both do. Mm -hmm. Talk more about buying dumb shit because I feel like more people need to it's not, it's not necessarily the act of buying the dumb things that is like important. Well, it kind of is. So it's one part that you have to spend the money that you make or it's pointless to have the money. Okay. I'm a very firm believer in that. But also as you buy expensive things, it forces you to think of new ways to mm-hmm. make money to cover that loss. So it, it will, I would say nine out of 10 times, whenever people force themselves into a spot, you'll find a way out of it. Yep. I agree with that. Pushing your comfort zone continually. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, bro, I had my Tesla for like the longest fucking time. Like I could have afforded a supercar at that time, but I was like, I just kept telling myself, ah, nah, like I had the cash to do it. I was like, ah, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then like when I met this guy, he was just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I'm being a little bitch. Let's go tomorrow. Let's go get get something. And then I was like, you know what? 
You're right. I, I think I need to just stop the Asian in me, like the typical mm-hmm. Asian in me was just like, you don't need this shit. You don't need my mom's just like in my ear about it, you know, but it was like, uh, it, it, it was definitely a big mindset change that, I mean, at the end of it, it worked out because it, it forced me and him to grow at that, that point um, and changed everything. Yeah. Do you think it's helped you be more successful? Easily. Like putting yeah. yourself in the uncomfortable easily, quote unquote, easily. position? Yeah, for sure. Sure. Because I mean, when you, when we're at this level, when you have money, like you're not really in a, in a place of like uh, necessity mm-hmm. anymore. You know, it's kind of just like, you know, you're doing your thing and everything, but there's no urgency, sense of urgency. So well, if you, you make an extra hundred thousand a month, going from 500,000 a month to 600, what the fuck changes? Yeah. Absolutely right. nothing. Yeah. So then what about people who aren't at that level? They're making five grand a month, like- they want to buy into the philosophy of make themselves uncomfortable, but maybe they're already like very uncomfortable. Is there a way to balance that? Yes. So it depends on like what you're trying to uh, achieve. So if you're making 5K a month, but you want to go get a fucking Lambo, that's a horrible yeah, maybe idea. Maybe don't start at the Lambo. You're right. But like if you can afford a, you can technically afford like a nice BMW, just fucking go for it. Like feel good about yourself. If you're going from a Honda to a BMW, fucking go for it and just do that. So- I'm going to disagree with that just a little bit. So like, how do I phrase this? So I think you should only put yourself in those positions if you're in a position where you can scale your income. Like if you are just working at a normal job and the only way that you make more money is by getting a raise, don't buy stupid shit. Because then like you're still relying on someone else to scale your job for you. That's true. I agree with that. Yeah. So only put yourself in those positions if you're in the position where you directly influence how much money you make. That's the caveat. caveat. Yeah. Like uh, me and like a lot of friends as well, we have, um, they like they work in a job, but they also have that side hustle. Um, so they can afford it. They're making money on both sides, but like, mm. you know, they get that, they finally get that one thing. And now it's like forcing them to like, you know what? I want to get out of this job and just make sure that this side of the business really starts to grow and everything like that. So um, yeah, I do agree. If you're only relying on your active income or the income that you're making from your job, then maybe not the best idea. Do you think money has changed you? 100%. How so? Absolutely. Changes everything, dude. Changes your confidence, changes your belief in yourself, changes the way that you see the world. I talked about this this morning. Like once you hit a certain income level, and I think it's 100,000 a month, everything that you know about the world starts to change. How you look at people, how you look at time, how you look at making new money, something switches like in your, in your brain to where like you look at everything differently. Yeah. And you, uh, you've said this in the, some videos before that money changes you, especially in the, in the terms of business partnerships. So always have like a plan, always have an idea of what that's going to look like. What did you guys do knowing that, okay, we're going to be making a lot of money together. Like, I guess elaborate on that. How did you? You didn't really do anything. Okay. So yeah. the, yeah. So then what is this the advice? Just, that you this was just people? a lucky scenario. Like the way that me and him did it, I would never recommend anyone do that. And what, what, what was, <laughs> that, what was that way that you wouldn't recommend? We literally, we literally hopped on a call. The next day we started like a, a massive company, which is our coaching business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. Never heard of it. Yeah. And then all of our Airbnb stuff mm-hmm. fucking just did that. Like, yeah. I mean, really like the Airbnb, like, like is in my name, like, you know, like, but the LLC is in his, like everything that we do is just like super. And the bank account is the, the mortgage is under my bank account, but it's <laughs> under his name. It's like a whole what, fucking thing. Let's talk about that. What, what do you think? 
you felt or what was it about each other that just made you I thought he was Go very handsome. Love yeah, it. We're both sight. named Kevin, dude, so it's an instant dub. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean. Because this is important for other people that might want to link up with a partner. I think it's super beneficial having a I partner. think a lot of people actually choose bad business partners. 100%. Yeah. Well, most people choose people that they're friends with, and obviously you guys have yeah. your situation. But a lot of people will be like, oh, like we're friends. We should start a business together. Right. And it's, it's all fine and dandy. But until money's in the game, until money, yeah. either money in a bad way or money in a good way. Mm -hmm. And especially when, you know, if you're like, oh, well, let's go, you know, halves on it. And then someone starts doing way more than the other person, then you start having issues. Right. And that's something that you have to like, you know, this is what we're doing on both sides. That way we're both equally contributing. If not, then it can, it can go yeah. bad. And I think for us, we had not only just the same vision, but we were also very transparent with each other as well. So it's like, if I have something to say to him, he considers it. And if he has some shit to say to me, I consider it as well. It's like, there's nothing, it's not really ego involved or anything like that. It's kind of just like, look, we're trying to fucking make money. So we need to do what's best for the businesses at the end of the day, you know? So And, and we don't really like, like if he's like, you know, we're going to hire another person. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like neither of us really like care that much. It's like, if you think that it's necessary, then we can just do it. Yeah, I think that's important. Like the trust in each other to do the yeah, right job. I think that's right. And then also yeah. the communication at every level. Like I'm really grateful for our business partnership, friendship, because yeah, you're right. Like friendships don't make good business partnerships most of the time. And I think people jump into that. They're like, yeah, we're buddies. Let's start a business. But it's the same with like someone you're going to marry. For like, oh, yeah. I, this person's really friendly. I'm going to marry them. Like- there's a way more boxes that you have to oh, check absolutely. before you dive into a basically a lifelong <clears throat> like partnership with this yeah. particular person. And so, yeah, like coming down to finding your strengths, your weaknesses and finding someone who has the opposites of those. Like we're the same in a lot of ways, but we're also wildly different in a million fucking yeah, ways. I see. It. Are you guys, do you feel like you have separate strengths that contribute differently or how do you sort of balance like the the two duties that you both hold? I feel like I'm a very like organized and attentive person. Like um, I, I like to be on time with things. Like, yeah. like I have deadlines and stuff like that. So like I like to make sure we're always on top of our shit. Basically. Very Asian of you. Huh? Very Asian. Very. Of you. It's very Asian of me. So basically I bring out the Asian out of him essentially, you know? So it's like, you know, you need a little Asian in you. A little. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, you know. What about you, Kev? What do I, what? What would you say is your, I don't know, kind of contribution to the business? Yeah, what the fuck do you do, Kevin? <laughs> like, I, I feel like we don't really, like you and I don't even really have like set stuff. We both just kind of pitch in wherever it needs to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which again, I wouldn't recommend either. I just, I think I meant more like, do you, like different strengths. Like, are there yeah. things that you naturally are better at? Maybe he's more type A and like is very by the books and you're the fucking just send it and you push everything forward. I, I, I do think that's mostly like, he's like a little more full send and I'm like, hey, let's think about these few things first. And it's then it kind of just acts, <laughs> it kind of just balances out. That's yeah. how I feel. Well, and it used to be way different, like a year and a half, two years ago. Like we were even more different, but we've mm -hmm. kind of become more similar yeah. yeah like in the beginning you thought way too small yeah facts and so like i was kind of like the vision mm -hmm. if you want to put it that way what kind of small thinking 
would like like what does that mean? Like you had goals that weren't very big and then you had to blast them open or like what what was your initial goal and then even even just like my expectations like okay. when we started our company together like it like I had this number in mind and he had a much bigger mu- number in mind and we had eating or reading eating reading Jesus Christ reaching that actually that bigger goal of ours, you know? So it's like once that happened, that first initial good month or whatever, that's when we realized, you know what? He's right. And I need to open up that vision a lot more and then start implementing all the steps that are going to be required to get to that point, you know? Um, So, yeah. When you guys linked up, that's when you decided to open up FBA Boss. He already, he had already had it. You already had it. We just merged essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Let's talk about FBA Boss a little bit. Your intention of why you created it, why you guys even continue to do it, because clearly you don't need to. You're growing Amazon stores, you got other investments. Why Why even have FBA Boss? Uh, number one, anyone who says that they start a program for anything, like the main reason is always money. I wouldn't do it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, I might do it on a smaller scale for free, but like at the scale that we're doing, I would never do it for free. Yeah. So reason number one is always money. Two is like, it's cool to like make money, but it's cooler to make money and make an impact, right? So like, I mean, like you guys are a good example. Like you guys got fucked over by somebody else. Like I think that was one of the things that we talked about when we first joined together was like we didn't want to do anything that was like scammy at all. Like so like even we've had multiple like funding partners try and get us to merge with them and like let people pay over two years and we get the money instantly. We don't do that. Like I don't want like anybody going to debt or any of that shit to like join the program. Yeah. So we, I ultimately just want to kind of change the, the platform of uh, courses and like online education. And I feel like, honestly, we set the trend of like much better plot. So many people redid their programs based on ours. Yeah. What did they do different? They have like more authentic, true strategies. Like they're actually people who are real, um, real successful in the realm of business and now they're creating platforms that are genuinely good for people who want to learn whether it's in you know maybe it's in like stocks or you know real estate or whatever like but i feel like we definitely changed the game especially because of how public our offer is and what we give out uh it, it kind of changes the connotation about online education and that's really like a big part of like what i started one doing and of course i wanted to make money off of it but it's like i can do this better so that people can benefit from the shit and then we were on the same page about that. Yeah, with FBA Boss, it's evolved quite a bit since we've even been in it. A lot. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about some of the things you've added and are looking to add in the next year or two, things that are included that people get when they enter the program? So we're trying to control the entire journey, right? Like we don't like outside variables. Like a good example is like AMZ One Step. Like they were super good in the beginning, but we gave them so much volume that they became shit. And then they started charging you guys more for like lesser quality work. So now we're building out like a full studio for that, like a massive studio. And we already have like certain partners, but it just can't handle the scale that we're at. So we're building out the full studio. We have the shipping now. We have, we're building two different softwares. So like both of those will be done in the next couple months. What else do we have? Um, I mean, we, we offer PPC and product selection within yeah. that. So that's like a service in its own. We essentially want to be like the, the center and like the, 
the central hub for Amazon sellers so that they everything's streamlined, mm-hmm. everything's available, all your resources are there. It's not like, oh, I got to go here, here, here. Streamline the process and make sure that all the resources are available so everyone has not only gets a chance to save more money and use more of that towards their business, uh, but just make it a, a simpler process. Yeah, it's hard to fuck up if you're in the course. It's yeah. very hard. I like that it's as close to a done for you as you can get without it. Like you still have to do the work. Yes. You still have to learn it. Yeah. But we, we're very vocal about do not buy. Do not buy done for you stores. Like they're generally not going to work out. Yeah. So you guys, I feel like you you understand that and you're not going to move into that space necessarily. Yeah. You're like, you still need to learn how to do this shit. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're going to have a store that makes all this money, something's going to go wrong and it's going to crumble because you don't have the skill set mm-hmm. to get there. You didn't learn how to build it. That's essentially what we want. We want yeah. people to l- learn a skill set. This business shit is a skill set and yeah. you can take it with you forever. But ultimately, you can have the best program in the world that is you know, all the right information and guarantees success. But if the person itself cannot execute on any of those things, you're not going to do well. You know, So that always comes out to the person. That's dope. I would say one of the best pieces of being an FBA boss is your guys' mastermind. Your masterminds, I want you guys to talk a little bit about the masterminds because I know there's one coming up in January, right? It surprises me that more people don't go to that. Like I think a lot of people think that they have to be further along. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, oh, if, if I was already selling, I would go. Like, why the fuck does that matter? Like, bitch, you should be going before you start selling. Mm-hmm. There was a guy I met at the last mastermind. He was this young kid. Uh, I don't know. He had like a mohawk. He was from uh, New yeah, Jersey. I know yeah, what you're yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, That kid was so impressive to me. He, he barely knew what was going on. He just showed up. You could just tell in his eyes he wanted to make a change in his life. He was just, you could, you could see him. He was like a reborn human being. Just being around that energy and you could see his whole universe opened up to a completely different life. And yeah, it's just a great time of hanging out with people who want to change their lives and take control of their lives and make money and uh, it's full of possibility. Yeah, a lot of different level, um, people in different uh, positions in their life as well. You know, some are some are beginners and some are advanced seven figure sellers, you know, like you have a little bit of everyone, everyone that you can relate to, you know. Are you opening up this next mastermind in Florida? Is that open to other... People that are outside of the group or uh, keeping it no, Are we doing that? I, no, I, don't, I don't like doing that. Because uh, okay, you just never not. know who the fuck's going to show up. Yeah, yeah. I don't like doing that. So invite so, only that. <laughs> nice. Keep it exclusive. Yeah. But we did lower the price just to make we sure. Lower the price like, a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Substantially. And then we got the yacht thing, which is obviously more. I like that version of things. Like coming from the sales world to, you know, um, even like selling in live events, there's usually two offers. You have like a general public offer that everybody can come to that provides a lot of value, but then you have this sort of VIP, very selected, uh, yeah. limited number of seats type of thing. And yeah, there's exponential value in that. So I like that you guys are offering the two. Also, you're on a boat. You're on a yacht in Florida. So can't go wrong with can't that. Can't go wrong. I like boats. I like boats. I like Florida. Yeah, I'm going to take a motion sickness pill though. So I don't. Yeah. Smart. What are we going to do on the boat? What's the plan? Drive around, jump in the water. Yeah, sweet. Learn how to swim again. They'll have food and shit. Yeah. It's 110 feet, I think, is the boat size. So it's very large. There'll be like, I think we sold 10 tickets, is what we capped it at. Yeah. So, well, are they all sold out? Yeah. Nice. Those, those sold way faster than yeah. the, the cheap ones, which was surprising to me. I think it's worth it. 
That and that kind of leads into another thing I wanted to talk about is sort of networking with high net worth people, with powerful people. And you guys obviously now know quite a, a few people that are doing really, really well in business. I mean, you guys are as well. And car meets seems like a really great place for you to meet, like just 100%. very, very influential folks. Where, like, what are other methods you use, other things you've done to sort of build a, a more powerful network even before the car world? Yeah, social media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'll, I'll, now I'll ask a lot of my friends, my new friends of like, hey, do you happen to know somebody who does this, 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 you know, and they will, they'll connect me over that and then I will help them in some way. And yeah, it's kind of like- Too many people expect things in order to do something. So um, like making intros regardless of if people asked, like, oh, this person and this person, I think you guys should connect because you both do X, Y, Z, whatever. Like doing stuff like that and expecting nothing out of it, that'll get you a lot long term. And also you'll build connections that way. Providing value to people. Like um, I talked about like how I met Joey, Joey Swole, was I literally messaged him on Snapchat and he owned a company called Taste at the time. And I messaged him and I said, hey, um, your ad looks like shit switch out the creative for this one. I had my creative guy make something else. I sent it to him and then they ran it. It did better. And so then me and Joey ended up going to the gym together like a week later. And that was how I met him. So just providing value for no reason. Hmm. Yeah. That's facts. What did uh, Ziggy Martin, not Ziggy Marley, uh, Another, another very famous- Zig Ziglar? Uh, Zig Ziglar, thank you, not Ziggy Marley. Zig Ziglar was like, uh, the best way to get rich is to help everybody else get yeah. rich. I paraphrased, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like provide the value and the value will come back to you tenfold. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Very famous Ziggy Marley quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like like, especially at our level now, a lot of like friendships are built on transactions first and then like you build good friendships off of that. Mm -hmm. And your transaction could be as simple as just connecting people with other people, you know, or providing some information in some way, you know. Were you guys always car guys? Or yes. Always. Both of you. I always like cars. But I feel like it changes when you can actually buy them. Yeah. Like if you would ask me, how much horsepower does this car have? What kind of engine does it have? I'd be like, I don't fucking know, bro. Probably V8. And, but now like I know a lot more about cars because like I consider buying them. So I look into them first. Do you guys know who uh, Doug DeMero is? No. So he's a very, you know who that is? He's yeah, like the, the biggest YouTuber, car YouTuber. Biggest car YouTuber. He started like 10 plus years ago. This, I watched. This? Yeah. This is a whatever. Yeah. But anyways, he uh, talks like, he goes deep into car reviews and like the specs, the, the uh, quirks and features and stuff like that. I watched so many of those videos of every car that I was most interested in. If you so look, I look up a lot. any car. And then type in review after it. He'll be the first He'll one. He'll be the first one. He has like, I think five plus million followers or something like that. Maybe 10, close to 10. But I spent so much time watching those and learning about cars. And like before that, I was uh, I was into like watching Fast and Furious and everything like that and Googling specs and shit like that. Like I, I, it took a lot of years to learn about cars. Yeah. It's funny. You weren't a car guy or you were a car guy. I was a car guy. Yeah. Kevin Kunze was not a car guy. And then he convinced you to buy your supercars. Yeah, that's funny enough. Yeah, because um, my first car was a, a sport. My first car that I bought for myself was a Honda S2000, which is like a manual um, mm -hmm. six-speed convertible. Love that car. What was it's your very dream famous. car? 
my that was my dream car at the time when I was a kid. But my dream car was to have a Lamborghini at the end of the day, you know. But freaking Asian, I know, right? So I was always like kind of into that learning stick shift and like Miatas and stuff like that. And like all my friends were into cars and they were drivers and shit. So um, it was it was easy to kind of like get. Like it didn't take too much convincing from him, but mm-hmm. he he definitely had to talk to me into like it's okay, like go do it. Yeah, you know? a friendly so, nudge. Yeah, maybe not a nudge. It was kind of like a fist in the ass, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, good times. And Kevin, you always talk about the mindset shift of driving a supercar, and that was one of the first things I remember. I think you in person. I think if someone has the opportunity to drive a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a McLaren on Pacific Coast Highway in California. That'll probably be one of the biggest things that changes your life. See, I find this super interesting because I've never thought about cars at all. And your propaganda that is fed to my TikTok every single day of <laughs> convincing me to buy a car. And then now there's a second channel feeding me propaganda. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm open to this and now, idea. And now your channel is also propaganda. Four times. And I guarantee the first time I'm going to go do exactly what you're telling me. And then I'm going to record a video immediately after and describe the experience. Like I think like go, even going and renting one, like just how you feel when you drive that car, how people look at you when you're in that car, it, it makes you feel different. Yeah. yeah. And it's even more amplified if you are a car guy as well. I mean, I can attest, I'm by no means close to owning one yet, but I have driven a uh, Lamborghini, of uh, not Aventador, um, Huracan yeah. Evo. And yeah, just feeling the power of it, mm-hmm. mind bending. And then I immediately went home and I went to the Lamborghini website and like built my like oh, custom bro, specs on my own. And like I, I got it, the PDF saved on my phone. I look oh at it my God. Sometimes. I used to do that all the time to yeah. spec out cars. Yeah. It just, and it, there's something to be said about like visualizing where you want to go. But if you can truly feel oh, yeah. the, the visceral feelings of what that is and like, what does the acceleration feel like? And then you put yourself in that a, space. You should have an SF90, bro. Bring it, bro. It's hard. It's you drove hard. the beater down here. That, it's hard to drive the, the STO now. That's why I'm supercharging it because uh-huh. it just feels so slow compared to everything else. Oh God. Yeah. Like, like, cause like you're talking about like how much power that is. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, then you get in the McLaren 760. I'm sure that was like one tenth of the maximum power I could have oh, felt. Yeah, man. yeah. And then like the McLaren fucking obliterates that. And the SF90 fucking, especially like lower end, obliterates that. Yeah. Like it's fucking brutal. Yeah, there's levels. I mean, compared yeah. to my Mercedes C-Class, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Huracan was miles. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything yeah. over like 500, it's very fast, very yeah. significant. I mean, it was C8, 495, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like that's enough to really feel mm-hmm. like a lot of power and speed that's actually dangerous. You Do know? you guys have... Like, I don't want to say dream car because you can buy whatever car you want. But what's the next goal car that you don't have yet if there is? Or GT. Okay. I'll get one probably That's in February. Um, for me, would be a McLaren Senna. That would be like my next big jump. The other ones I can afford like getting a Ferrari F8 or like a Cullinan. I can get those. But the, the Senna is going to take a little bit more work. And that one is my dream uh, first hypercar. Nice. Yeah. The Cullinan is sick. Oh, I love the Cullen in. Yeah. So I love that car. Neat. That's going to be my new daily beater. <laughs> and you guys get tons of shit talk every time you post your cars. Yeah. I mean, you're constantly reposting people talking I shit. I mean, it's unfortunate because- Car like, tour. Yeah. It's unfortunate because like those get the most views. So obviously I'm going to gravitate towards responding. Mm-hmm. Like my top 10 biggest videos, 
I would say at least half of them are responding to negative comments. Same. And I, I think, but I think the reason why, and I want to loop this together is it's the negative mindset and the self-limiting beliefs people have around money that they're projecting towards you. And by you rebuttaling them, it gives hope to people that are on the path like we're on to getting there. And we're like, yeah, he's standing up for us. Fuck that guy. Hmm. I mean, at least that's how I feel, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about mindset, like people's mindset about money, the limitations you see with either people that have come into the group or people that post on your TikTok. I know you have a lot of opinions about that. Bro, I mean, look, have you ever seen a fucking rich person with a limiting mindset? Like someone who, have you ever heard of anybody who said, no, they, oh, they I can't do rich. that. I can't do that. And they end up being rich on their own. Like, no. Like, unless it's out of straight up lotto luck or anything like that, no successful business person is out there saying, like, I, I can't do that, you know? Like, also, no one who's successful is commenting on my TikTok negative shit. Yeah. Like, nobody nobody talks shit down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you never talk shit on somebody that's beneath you. Mm -hmm. So, it's no kind problem. of a... I, I, I talked about this earlier today, but I, I think that everyone who is in my comments is a peasant and I'm the king <laughs> and they're trying to get the king's approval. That's how I look at it. Like every time, that's why like I don't, cause I don't value any negative comments, but also like compliments make me uncomfortable. So like I don't put weight on either and that's just how I've always been. Like whenever people are like, oh my God, like they come up to us, like, oh my God, dude, your videos changed my life. I'm like, cool. Like I just don't know how to respond to that because it just makes me feel weird. But same thing, like if someone came up to me and they're like, you're a piece of shit scumbag, you'd be like, cool. <laughs> like, I, I just don't care because I don't value their opinion. But like if like Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, Brad Lee or one of them was like, this guy is a fucking cunt piece of shit. Fuck him. I'd be like, all right, bro, that's fucked up. Or if like, they complimented you. Yeah. Or if they complimented me, I'd be like, oh, fuck, that's sick. That's like, that would give I, you I would, a good hard. I would frame that, dude. I would, <laughs> I would put a looping video on my wall of that. But also like, so I feel like I only value if they're higher up than me, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Only take the opinion of people you would trade places with. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Fuck the white belts when you're a black belt. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit 100%. what you say to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stomp on them. I always find this interesting to ask people, what is your daily routine? Like from the time you get up, what do you do? I got breakfast. That. What do you eat? When do you train? How do you train? All of that. I I love these details. Mine's gonna be uh, pretty simple. Let's do it. It's I wake up between eight and nine o'clock. I don't eat breakfast. I piss excellence. I piss excellence all day long. Shit, I cry excellence. Um, but I take my dog out for a walk. Come back in. Get straight to work. I'm in the office. I lock myself in there for hours. You know, just because not sometimes I don't even lock myself in there just because I have shit to do. I just I'm like. I just feel like being in here and just figuring out if I want to do more shit. And then I'll have lunch around two, go to Muay Thai training around five or six, come back, walk my dog, eat dinner, call it a day. Boom, boom, boom. Done. That's it. I like it. And text my fiance, tell her I love her. <laughs> Can't forget that one. Yeah. What do you think about morning routines? Like a lot of people put weight on that. Do you think there's value to it or is it just a fucking waste of time? Waste of time. Waste of time. Why? Because people are successful without morning routines, there's no correlation between morning routine and success. Like every single person that I know is successful doesn't do that. 
Same. So I, I think it's a waste of time. I think you can have certain things that you do that are part of your routine, but I don't think it needs to happen in order to be successful. Yeah. If you just happen to be a morning person, then okay, cool. That works out for you. Great. But it's not like the key to success or anything like that. Yeah. I think morning routines were born from people. Like if I think about myself, I don't really have much of one anymore. I like the philosophy of just getting to work or just working out and getting mm -hmm. to work. Because if, if you're... You just want to get into it. That's yeah, what you want to do. Just straight into it, yeah. But if I think back to my past, the reason if I had a very dialed in routine and morning routine and I was trying to really analyze it is because I didn't like my life. Yeah. And I didn't have control. And it was the thing that was setting me up to make the rest of my day feel better. Right. But I wasn't able to change it in that moment or I couldn't figure out how to change mm -hmm. it. And I think that's what a lot of people that are super obsessed with morning routines, that's where they're stuck. Yeah. Or like, I feel like people who like haven't started anything yet and they're like lacking discipline or something like that, they should have some kind of routine yeah. to start going from there. But if you've already got some shit going on, it's a fucking waste of time, bro. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Kevin? You wake up, drink a Jocko Malk. Those things bang real hard. Yeah. Um, I'm going to meet up with him uh, next month. Fuck yeah. yeah. You got to go. I When we were when we were out in Cali, I thought we were going to San Diego for the mastermind. <laughs> yeah, we flew into San Diego and had to drive. That's like, hilarious, I was like, Kevin, bro. you should come train with me. And he's like, how the what fuck you... am I going to come train with I you? Was I was so Newport. confused, bro. Yeah. And I was confused why you were confused. It's like, he doesn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> bro, we're in Orange County. What are you talking about? Next time we're out in San Diego, we got to go to uh, Victory MMA. That place is so sick. Nice. All the trainers are so good. The MMA trainers are incredible. The jujitsu guys are amazing. Yeah. So you're going to meet him up next month. Fuck no. He was like, oh, you should come roll with us. I was like, fuck that. That's Dude, you got to do it. Roll with fuck him. No. Bro, roll with him, bro. Tear off I got to beat my shit off. Yeah, but he rolls with every, like normal people. Buy dumb shit, bro. Yeah, well, Put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Terrifyingly uncomfortable. Yeah. I just know that guy doesn't feel pain, dude. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> so that was the invite just to come roll? Uh, you say go to the gym, yeah. but I assume that's yeah. what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sick gym. You got to check yeah. it out. Yeah. Victory is a cool spot. What, what's the morning routine, bro? So I wake up whenever I wake up. Um, I don't have an alarm. My first call is at 10. I do a, a meeting at 10, another meeting at 11. Usually I have something to do with my cars too. I always have like either something going somewhere or getting fixed or getting worked on. So usually I have to take that in the morning. Um, my chef makes me breakfast. I have the same breakfast every day. It's a, a Jocko protein <laughs> shake. Sponsor. Code Ecom. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this episode uh, brought to you by Jocko Mulk. Uh, so I usually crush one of those and then I have oatmeal with almond butter, which fucking sucks ass. But that's what I'm eating right now. And then I work first two hours and then I'll usually just make some content until my next meeting, which is at two. And I have meetings from two to four. And then I go to the gym and that's pretty much it. The only time that I actually work is usually from like 12 to two. Everything else is just meetings. Pretty boring nowadays. Yeah, you are. You guys launched, I think recently you said you launched five new brands, businesses. Well, you didn't really. I bought a pest control detail. company. Okay. Um, bought that last Monday. So working on that. And then we have gems, driven, driven, 
uh, Data Boss. Yeah. Um, the new, the other software that we haven't named yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ones that are actually in role right now are the those three. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's it. I mean, we're just, we're adding more investment properties. That's oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. We're going to buy like buy a couple more this year. Yeah. we got to buy like two, $3 million in properties by before the end of December. So we're doing that. That's right after. Yeah. Exactly. And just putting that into our Airbnb company. And then that's really it. So at least on my end, that's just three companies. I know he, he bought a couple more. So Is any of them AI or no. So it was a pest control. Two software companies. Two yeah. software companies. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I don't know if you consider it. I mean, it technically is AI. Not really. No, I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, two software companies and then two uh, private label brands. Yeah. Why pest control? I don't know. It was one of my friend's companies. And uh, I, I don't really like having in-person businesses. That's kind of like a rule of mine. But also at the same time, I was like, I've never had one, so I might as well fucking try it. So I'm just funding him now. And also, he doesn't know how to do anything like, this is his first business, and they do about a million a year. He started in April. So like they scaled it pretty quick. But he just doesn't have money to continue to scale it. So I'm funding that, and I'm giving him a salary, and I gave everyone a bunch of pay raises. And then- What a uh, monster. I know. Uh and then we're going to fire all of them once they think that they're secure and we're going to hire <laughs> illegals. Dude, it was so funny when I talked to Matt and I was like, hey, I'm going to fire this guy. Uh, Matt's our attorney. I was like, I'm going to fire this guy. Do I need to do anything? And he's like, all right, this is privileged. Is he an illegal? And I was like, <laughs> I was like no, bro. He's a W-2. And he's like, oh, yeah, just fire him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Where do you guys see the future of Amazon? I mean, you've been in it for quite a while. You've seen it go from the listing can close and reopen wherever it left off, you know, the next five, 10 years. I mean, everything's exponentially changing so fast. Well, what, what do people value most right now? It's quickness and trust, like for like things that you buy online. You want to trust where you're buying it from and you want it to come super, super fast. Amazon's only getting quicker and they're doing more for customers, mm-hmm. right? So like they're never going to lose in that aspect. The only people that could take them down if they wanted to would be Walmart. They're the they only ones. Yeah. But they're the they're the only ones that have the infrastructure to compete. No one else will be able to afford to do it within 10, 15 years, like at the most. And their gap is huge, like between Walmart and Amazon. Yeah. You know? So so I don't, I don't see it, at least in the next five years, no immediate changes. I just don't think anyone can do it. Like all that Timu shit, that'll never catch on. Mm-hmm. Oh what, yeah, what is, what is Timu? Timu is like a, a isn't that a new it's Alibaba? Literally Alibaba? It's a new Alibaba, no? Well, yeah. It's AliExpress. It's AliExpress, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like Wish, but they, you see ads. People for are it. getting yeah. scammed on that thing though. Yeah. People are getting scammed on Timu, like a bunch of like they're not getting their product, they're just getting their money taken away, like a lot of bad. Yeah, shit's it'll happening. it'll never catch on. Yeah. Um. So that I mean, people try all the time. Others maybe TikTok shop would be the next biggest possible uh, competitor, but I mean it's it's really hard to beat. TikTok out. shop's only doing really well right now because or because TikTok's eating so much money for it. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. everything's a thirty or forty percent discount that TikTok's eating. So they're losing that money plus giving free shipping. So they're losing tens of billions of dollars right now, just but, to get on people's right. radar essentially yeah. for shopping. The same way you rank a product. Literally, same way. Yeah. yeah. They're just eating it enough just to make sure that, hey, people are aware 
this is the next, this is another way of buying. Basically. It's funny how business is so fractal. It's just the same thing at different levels. And that's what, I mean, that's what it is. Like you, even what we're doing right now, private label is just literally the same thing out of everything you see here. All of these are private label products, mm -hmm. you know, they're at just different, different scales, different scales, different fulfillment. That's really it. But the struck business model is the same thing. So, so as you guys are scaling and hiring and hiring illegals and firing illegals, <laughs> how do you find competent help? Like, how do you find like at our level, we've had a couple of VAs mm -hmm. do some work, build some things. And I swear to God, I have to do twice as much work to fix the crap that they do. I mean, I think what we agree on is we hire fast and fire fast. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had to fire. We've only had to fire two people. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is I don't like to hire low level employees. So I usually won't hire somebody else. We can pay them at least 60,000 a year. That's kind of like my threshold, unless they're just doing like contracting work, then that's different. But for the most part, we like to hire U.S. English is your first language. A plus players. Yeah. I'd rather pay people more to be good mm -hmm. rather than like save some money on the front end and have them suck ass. Yeah. I mean, when you interview them, you kind of get an idea about like what, just by a few questions that we ask, like you kind of get an idea about whether or not they can do it or not. What kind of questions do you ask? Fuck. When are you available? How soon yeah. can you start? When can you start? What's your first language? But we, we don't ask really like any questions, to be honest. Yeah. Like what's your experience? And you can kind of tell like when they're talking, like how good they actually are. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, like Devin was a great example when we first hired her, you know, like she just spewed out confidence and she was just like, she started telling us what to do. And I was like, oh shit. Dude, all right, literally hopped her. off the interview. She was like, okay, cool. I'll start tomorrow. And then just hung up and we're like. All right. Well, we're alpha doing. move. Yeah. All that. We're like, I guess she's Savage. Yeah. Perfect. She's our new CEO. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of, I don't know. We have, we've had pretty good intuition about like people yeah. so far. So. Yeah. What about lower? Cause I've done a lot of hiring from my own companies and as well as companies I've worked for where I've had to hire people. So that makes sense. Like you can, and you're right. You can tell when someone's going to be a, mm -hmm. a good employee, I guess you know, now you don't hire lower level employees, but for someone, I guess the confusing part is at our level where we're not beginners, but we're also not high level where we have a ton of capital to expel. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to be lean on certain hiring things and it feels like a limbo period. So like we can afford a VA, but we can't afford a 60 grand employee. Well, I mean, is it for Amazon? Yeah, purposes? for Amazon stuff. You should, yeah, I think the VA What's is fine. VA for? for building even basic things like you know we have eight variations in one yeah. listing so i was like hire this guy um i just upload the photos and the listing stuff and for some reason it just gets shut down and like that's just one example but we've had that happen with a va that built us some like excel sheets for tracking information tracking data and and acos and all that do they have but they have the highest rankings on like fiverr or okay. upwork they're like the top guys so maybe it's just and a they have Amazon every time experience. they have Amazon experience. They specialize in Amazon. That's odd. You so should, uh, there's a company that I know. Uh, it used to be called VA Relief. Um, I think mm -hmm. they changed the name now, but um, they have. Uh, did I send that to you guys? I feel like I have. Possibly, I've used Possibly. VA Relief before, like years ago. Okay, so you you do you you have heard of them? Mm -hmm. They were pretty good. I mean, they are pretty good. I still have a hire from them. They're pretty good. They still because they my important thing was are they trained to do Amazon things mm -hmm. and do I need to teach them anything? I usually don't have to teach them anything. They're pretty good. That's the best VA okay. I've gotten so far. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe you just gotta 
go back and try again. Try it again. Maybe we got one of those cursed accounts. Yeah, probably. Yes. That's probably. Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah. Talk about that. What, what is a cursed account? Whenever your account's new, you're going to have problems no matter what. Um, the degree of problems that you have is going to vary. But once you have an account that has problems, you're almost always going to have problems. So it's it's very shit. So what do you do? Next it, it up, get dude. a new one. Nope, you just suck you it just up. Hit, suck it up. You deal with problems. Put out fires left and right. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's yep. really it. Nice. Silence is okay. <laughs> Are we gonna arm wrestle now? Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got the right table for arm wrestling. I'm just. Kidding. Who wants to go first? I feel like I'd break my arm. I feel like. Yeah. Brent and Kev. This I've is, seen. This is my. I've pen. seen this so many. Gonna like arm, fucking throw all the mics in. And I've seen so many videos of like people doing this and their shit just fucking snaps. Their bicep like, yeah. snaps. Yeah, you see well, their bicep like just. It's such a crazy sport. Yeah, that's what happened to my detailer, dude. He fucking broke his arm arm wrestling. Stupid, bro. Dumb. That happened to make that a wish. A dumb way to break your arm. So stupid. I can think of ten cooler ways to break your arm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. absolutely ridiculous. You could wrestle a bear. That's one option. Yeah. Have you ever had bear? Bear meat? Uh -huh. No, I can't say I have. I've had California black bear before. Yeah. It's almost like sweet. It's like a gamey sweet. It's like elk, but sweeter. Mm -hmm. It's sweet. very odd. Do sweet. you hunt? Sweet meat. You guys hunt? Uh, I've been hunting. I've never killed anything though. Everything always eludes me. Never. Mm. Sneaky. Never. Do you want to go? Uh, I don't have an interest in hunting. No, not at all. But I am interested in just getting more equipped and better experienced with uh better trained with like guns though that's about it but shooting hunting not my thing nice yeah well got anything no i think that's good uh guys how do people sign up or check out your stuff fbabossacademy.com that's our website or instagram you could also check that out as well and that's where you'll be able to find us in our program Love it. Any final words for the general public? Your fans? Do better. Stop being so fucking soft. That's it. Wise words. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you for coming. It's my man. Fun Guys podcast. Thank you so much for having us, It's a pleasure. Man.